Welcome back, listeners, to the Busby Babe podcast. I am Colin Dams, your host, alongside my co-hosts uh, Nathan Heinchel and Polly Questel. We're back after a month or so off. Um, no Carl Anka this time. Yeah, no Carl Anka this time. Um, you got it. Busy. Yeah. Maybe he He's... went to bed. Maybe he went to bed early because he didn't sleep last night because at 3 a.m. he was busy dunking on Colin. Okay, so, like, yeah, let's unpack this, because I, I did not read it that way. What? <laughs> I mean, I, I was just, you know, I was making comments about the highlight real music uh, choice, and uh-huh. uh, I thought that he was just making a callback to something we talked about when he was on the podcast. You posted a video. I quote tweeted a video. It, you uh, quote tweeted a video. The original tweet was retweets don't necessarily equal endorsements guys okay the yes. original tweet <laughs> was literally it said quote why man united should sign ruben neves portuguese flag emotion. did i say why manchester united should sign ruben neves and then you said and then you you said to really sell it which you know it means like oh you know we it, it just needed some kinks and then maybe you know it's a great sale but yeah, you're endorsing this, and part of that is because I know your history, so I... I, I would like to say... Put, to put it... Right, Nathan, you're right. Retweets don't necessarily mean endorsements, even though all of Twitter... But Colin Dance does way. have an agenda. He does have an agenda. Even though all of Twitter believes it that way, but knowing Colin's... With the context of Colin's personal beliefs, it's an endorsement, and Carl was not having that. I was nope. not... I have not Colin publicly endorsed... Manchester United buying Ruben Neves since the 2019-2020 season. I would like that on record. There, there um, will be a commission. It's a goddamn video of him playing diagonal passes. I mean, come on. This yeah, but, only... no, the, the best highlight, I think, in that video is when he just launches a shot at a dude's face. It's it's also going right at the keeper. <laughs> but uh, basically just launches a shot at a dude's face. And they show it like three times from multiple angles. By this the way. is... This is almost, it's almost, not nearly, not as, but almost as bad as the tweet I saw last week that was like, Donny Van de Beek is one of the most underrated playmakers in the world, and then accompanied by a highlight video that was nothing but Donny making very simple average passes and very simple average through balls that went, that led to nothing. And sometimes not even touching the ball. Uh, They showed the one where he like let it through his legs, uh, which was, you know, that was fun. But also just, or, like, kind of watching counterattacks happen. Did, did the Von de Beek video have the Arctic Monkeys playing in the background? Because I think that's what Colin was most concerned about. Yeah, no, I, I'm here for the, the Arctic use Monkeys. of the Arctic then. Monkeys. If, if they had put Brian Storm in that Ruben Neves video, I probably would have publicly endorsed uh, a signing Ruben Neves. Yeah. Whereas, I, mean, I think was, I was... Carl was upset that you were spreading sign Ruben Neves videos along the timeline. You don't want to see that. Yeah. You know, it's it's the same it's the same concept of even if you don't like uh agree with what Tommy Loren says, re-quote tweeting her to dunk on her is in a way still spreading her message. Exactly. And that's what you've done with this Ruben Neves stan. <laughs> um you Tommy Loren him. I feel uh, like the stakes are much lower, but I take your point. <laughs> yes. And, but anyway, uh, I would also yeah. endorse Ruben Neves if they had cut off by Kasabian or something on there. Yeah. And, and uh, you, you know, Carl, I'm glad that we're on your radar. 
I'm glad that you're up yeah. at night looking for our tweets, and uh, we'd love to have you back sometime. Yeah, Any, anytime you want to talk Tarantino, Carl, I, I'm here. We don't even have to record it. I just just talk about movies. Yeah. I guess we'll. I guess I'll try to use this to segue into something relevant to Manchester United. But um, yeah, we we still don't have a midfielder, but uh, we have a fancy new center back. What are you talking about? Wait, from, McTominay. All the way from Los Blancos. Um, we do have Scott McTominay. Uh, Raphael Varane uh, is beginning his quarantine period uh, before he can officially do his medical and sign for Manchester United. I love United. how that's a new thing like to add into the transfer. Yeah, right. Wait, hold on. Remember this when is... transfers? Remember when transfers were as simple as club calls club says, "What's your price?" You, you work out the price, and then and then you talk to the player and go, "All right, let's work out some personal terms." And that's that's it. That's the transfer. And then you got agents involved, and then it became talk to the player. For now, it's like, all right, you get all these. Th- all right, now we're in a, in the quarantine period. Yeah. <laughs> he uh... even even more fascinating than that though. Uh, this is the first time all three of us have been on a podcast together in over a month, and he wants to lead with Raphael Baran. <laughs> you don't want to talk about Tom Heaton? <laughs> no, and I definitely don't want to talk about the UEFA Euro final. <laughs> Were the vibes not immaculate at that point? No, not in the Dams family, uh, unfortunately. I forgot about that. My friend... My friend ordered a, a Jack Grealish jersey. He's an Aston Villa fan, and he ordered a Jack Miss Grealish, Grealish 69. Yeah, basically, uh, except he'd be Mister Grealish 69. And it it came like last week, and he like te- texted a picture of it to me, and I'm, I was like, oh yeah, the Euros. They were this past summer, weren't they? Huh. Yeah, it uh a lot has happened uh, since then, uh, both in football and in all of our lives, and. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm living in a different place now, and most of my stuff is still in the place that I used to live. Um, yeah, it's uh, it feels like a long time ago. Anyway, we uh, signed Jaden Sancho. I think that was uh, what I was getting we, at. Did we not do a podcast for that though? No, you guys well, talked about it, and then we didn't. <laughs> I think you might have done one with like Matt, but this is the first time that the Busby Bays right. have all gotten together. Uh, yeah, I know it's been a while since we podcasted, and we never said anything about it on socials either. But yes, we signed Jaden Sancho, uh, we've signed Raphael Varane, and we've signed uh, Tom Heaton, who uh, it turns out might actually get some minutes this season. Uh, like he's gonna put on a kit and sit in the comfortable seats. I mean, Dean Henderson hasn't returned to so. training yet, has he? No, Dean Henderson is out with COVID, so right. but De Gea is in training. Like Tom Eaton's not going to start over David De Gea. In the Carabao Cup, though. Uh, the Carabao Cup doesn't start till the end of September. You're 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 forgetting that like it's not last year, where the Carabao Cup was thrusted into the first week of the season. It, we're back on a norm, quote unquote normal schedule. So I would say it, Dean Henderson should be plenty back. By the end of September, in which case one of he or Dea will be playing in that match. Right. So, uh, boys, how do we rate this transfer window so far? With uh, just, I guess, considering Jaden Sancho and Raphael Varane addressing team needs from last season. No, oh, Jaden Sancho, pretty good player. Actually, I'm really good player. 
really good, helps us out a lot, adds a lot to this team, really dynamic, makes us a lot better. There's a piece up on the Busby Babe about what he does. Go read it. Not much else to say. Really good player. We should put him on our team. Yep. Nathan? Um, You know, without having to rehash everything that we said last summer, too, because this was, you know, obviously a signing that we've wanted wanted for a very, very long time. Um, Yeah, I'm quite pleased. I think uh, Jaden Sancho is going to be a really, really good player. Um, it's a, it's a hot take of mine that I have that I think Jaden Sancho is the right player for this Manchester United team at this time. Um, it really does feel like there's a level of excitement, um, going into a season that we certainly didn't have last year that we kind of sort of had two years ago. Um, and he's particularly. Right now, even if based on Ollie's or not, uh, Polly Gunner Solshire's, um, uh, you know, clickbaity headline, um, I, I think Jaden Sancho's going to do a great job out on the right side, which is uh, a position of need for us. So, really, really excited by the signing. Um, really excited to have him, uh, potentially in FIFA 22 if, uh, I get, you know, tricked into buying that stupid game for another year because I probably will because uh, I hate having disposable income. Um, so, yeah. And then seeing Jaden Sancho in the jersey, just it felt so good, especially the blue jersey. Really love that blue jersey. The best description I heard of it was it's like the reverse of the Ronaldo transfer. Like Ronaldo was a very fun United player to watch, especially young Ronaldo when he was very raw. But ultimately, in six years, he only had one Cristiano Ronaldo year. And then he went to Madrid, and they got the best years out of him. And this is – Jaden Sancho was a very fun player to watch at Borussia Dortmund. But now he's coming to United at a time where this is going to be when he comes in. And at this point of his career, he's 21 years old. These are going to be his best seasons. Maybe not this year, but the year after, the year after, we're going to get the best out of Jaden Sancho. And I think it's a it's a statement of intent for both the player and the club, too, because this is, you know, bringing in a player who's coming into his own at a time where, you know, this team, after years of trying to, you know, build towards something, it finally seems like we're ready for that or getting to the point where we're ready for that. And, uh, you know, bringing in someone who's 20, 21 years old to be a centerpiece of that, you know, that's uh, that's ambition for years to come. And uh, that's not something that we've typically seen from Manchester United's transfers poster Alex Ferguson. Uh, you know, the big splashy ones, apart from Paul Pogba, have been players that you kind of can't see making an impact beyond maybe two or three seasons. And uh, I, I think... Uh, well, the, yes. Well, you know, before Ollie, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, you know, Harry Maguire, Bruno Fernandez, Anthony Martial. This is a, yeah, was, yeah, I guess, yeah, that was a marquee setting because we paid did, like did have the Ballon d'Or clause. <laughs> yeah. Memphis Depay. That one, I don't know if I'd include that one. I, that I was guess, a big get when we got him. Eh. That was a big get. Everyone he, and their mother wanted did. him. He, he then had a great, he had a great World Cup. He's turned into a phenomenal player. We signed him, we just 
had the wrong manager for him, which is fine. Mm-hmm. That that happens sometimes. And then the next manager just went, no, not for me, and got rid of him. But if if what are we talking we, about? We Lukaku talked about or Depay? Depay. Depay. We talked about this on the last pod uh, on the podcast with Carl. Is imagine what United would be like if they went from Van Gaal to Ali. Right. I, my point being though. This is the kind of signing that I think we needed to make this summer, and I'm glad that it got done and got done quickly. Um, yeah, I, I think the the vibes are are very good right now. Yeah, and Andy Brassel said it on the on the football ramble the other day too, where it was it was good. It, it you know Ed Woodward ends up kind of coming out looking like a genius just because he played hardball and didn't pay the astronomical fee last year, but in a way too that allowed. Jaden Sancho kind of like one more year of development in the Bundesliga before it was like, you know, it's, I don't want to ruin the the vibe party at all, but Sancho is going to be expected to perform on day one. So having an extra year to sit there and hopefully kind of work out any issues, he didn't get to do it in the Euros at all uh, on a big stage, but you know, he had another year in the Bundesliga and in the Champions League. Um, so just that extra year of seasoning, he was a little less expensive. I, I think all around it's been pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it was Woodward gambled by not signing Sancho last year. And that could have, as any gamble, you can lose or you can win. And he won. Yeah, because, yeah those Chelsea links were really puckering me up there uh, towards the winter window. But it, it ended up saving United a lot of money. And it, it not only saving, not only off the total fee, but the structure of the deal. United are paying nothing for him this year. And they're going to pay and they're paying nothing for him next year. And that and would that, not have been the case had they signed him a year ago. And had they signed him a year ago, they would have been paying more overall and more upfront and more this year. And factor in the fact that they didn't get in, that they didn't bring in as much money last year. It would have really tied their hands. And I don't know what Jaden Sancho adds to this team last year. Uh, goals and everything. Do they win the FA Cup? I don't know. Do they win the League Cup? I don't I don't maybe maybe they beat Manchester City in that game. Maybe. But that's an unknown. I don't. Yeah, well, we really got Jaden Sancho on like out a of the Labor Day they, they didn't get knocked out of the Champions League because they didn't have Jaden Sancho, and they wouldn't have competed for the title with Jaden Sancho. Maybe they competed, but they wouldn't have won it. So you still finished second, and you had good runs, and then you get Jaden Sancho for a, and you allow Mason Greenwood to develop more, and you and you allow the players you have to play and develop more, and Sancho is out there in, in Germany, as Nathan just said. And then ultimately, you get him a year later for a lot less money and on a much club-friendlier deal, which allows you to be much more flexible and go out there and spend the money on a Rafael Varane and hopefully more to come in this window. And even the Rafael Varane deal, I mean, the total reported fee of £40 million or so is not what United are paying right now. Uh, You know, that deal is also in a payment structure over the next couple of seasons. And there's also add-on clause uh, you know, fees that are well, added into 30, that. It's 34 it's, million that can rise to like 42. Yeah. So, so like it's 34 million right now. It's this is, this is good business going on, uh, which we're not necessarily used to. And, uh, I guess we shout out John Murtaugh. We can, but look, this started last year because yeah. again, they didn't buckle at the Sancho deal. They walked away from the Sergio Reguilon deal. Um, when, when that one was a bad deal. And that's how they ended up with Alex Tellis, uh, player, but but Luke Shaw, <laughs> right? But yeah. but remember, like Sergio Sergio Reguilon would be a much better backup for Luke Shaw than Alex Tellis would be. 
but they walked away because it wasn't a great deal. And they really are coming into their own. And I, we're going to answer some Twitter questions later, sneak peek at one of them. It's also the reason why we're not selling players right away is because we're not we're, we're sitting here and we're saying we're not going to be taken advantage of anymore. Yeah, we we really are like it, it, it's almost like going to buy a TV or something and financing it on like the store credit card. And you don't have to have, you know, liquid money to put down on, 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 as like a down payment. It's it's crazy um, how good the business for two good players has been. Uh, we've all talked about we didn't think center back was the most pressing need. But I mean, my God, if you can get a player like Rafael Varane who wanted to come here and we could uh, actually fleece Real Madrid a little bit, then we'll take it. I, I think that definitely helps the vibes for this uh, that, you know, Real Madrid are in this situation where they kind of have to sell him. And they're also just desperate for cash at this point. Yeah, we essentially um, did what Ali said we would do last year. And that got him in a hot water when he said we're going to be in a position to take advantage of the market. And that got him in a hot water for saying it. But also every team went around and said, whoa, whoa, you said that you could take advantage. And you said you're sitting here with all this money. We want money. And and that hurt United in the market last year. And, and they spent a year basically putting out all the PR. Don't expect a lot of signings. We can only get one marquee name just to, to let it be known. Hey, we don't have money when. In reality, that's they might and they might not. But at they let it be out there's that the publicly they've said we don't have as much money as as we did as we thought we would, so that they could go out there and when a team like Real Madrid is bleeding for cash, they go, Well, we'll take that guy. For hey, Casemiro, W Y D. How old is Casemiro? Yeah. I feel like he's been around for a while, but he's definitely the younger of that midfield three that's been there forever. Uh, Casemiro is 29. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. No, thanks. Yeah. Going to be some pretty big wages there, I'm sure. That's, too. A, that's a montage if I've ever seen one. <laughs> um, so let's actually get into uh, some of these Twitter questions now, then. Um, I guess we can start with that one, which was uh, from Calvin. Why is it so difficult for United to sell players like Lingard, Pereira, Matic, Dallo, James, etc.? Feels like a mid plus Trippier could be had if we could actually move some Deadwood. Uh, Paulie, you got into that a little bit of us just being better negotiators or less willing to, you know, let players go for cheaper fees. But also, I'm, in the case of Lingard and possibly Pereira, you know, there's some upside for these players that would maybe warrant sticking around for a better offer. I think with Lingard in particular, that's going to be the case. Well, the question is, why is it so difficult for United to sell player to sell players it's just in general i mean he was stan james we're not trying to sell him so right. that's why you know don't you but, dare call my son deadwood yeah. also i'm not even entirely sure we're gonna sell matic yet no we're not trying to sell matic yeah we're not matic is whether matic has nothing to do with us bringing in another midfielder or not he is because we have had situations several in the past two years we only have two uh, and, and depending on your view of Andreas Pereira, one senior midfielder fit for games. So we need an extra midfielder. And the 32-year-old guy who is happy with his squad role and is a leader in the dressing room itself would be fine being your fifth choice. You can make him fifth choice there. So we're not selling Montage. The rest of them, though, let's start out by saying this. 
why are you why are you trying to sell Lingard, Pereira, and Delope? Colin. Oh, I thought this was uh, like a, a you know you were gonna question. keep talking. Yeah, well, no, I'm asking. Um, you, it's it's a it's a rhetorical, but it's back back and forth. Uh, well, with Pereira, he's simply not good enough, but he's also young-ish still and uh, got a little bit of upside. And uh, yeah, you know, there's a team where he can All start. three of them are not good enough. Yeah. Simply put, they are not good enough to play for Manchester United. They're not good enough. So you're sitting here being like, well, they're not good enough. I need to sell them. If if you, Colin, have a Pereira and a Lingard and a, and a Dalo, they're like, they're not good enough for me. I got to sell I, the buyer, am going to be like, well, why do I want to buy that? So already it's hard for you to, to sell them if people aren't coming around saying, I want to buy that. Now, Jesse Lingard, you got this nice situation where you sent him out on loan and he played really well. And, and Delo and Pereira went on loan last year, but and their clubs are interested in bringing them back, but like they're not like banging on the door to be like, hey, we, we really want to make this thing permanent. They're like, yeah, you know, if the terms are right. Lingard showed you something and... Now it's United are like, well, we've got kind of a valuable piece here, but so let's try to cash in on that. In which case we need to establish that there's value. Every team out there knows Jesse Lingard isn't playing at United this year. Jesse Lingard knows that. So how do you create that? Why would you pay 30 million pounds for a player that is surplus to requirements? Rafael Varane wanted to leave Real Madrid. And he had a year left on his contract. He's a first 11 player. They needed to move him on so that they can go about and plan out their season. Jaden Sancho, the same thing. Lingard and Pereira, like, our plans are set whether they're here or not. So we, we're just trying. So if you're the buyer, you're going to wait until that price comes down, which is why in the athletic this week, there was a, I happen to have written about this today that Colin will get around to posting it probably tomorrow. In The Athletic this week, Adam Crafton wrote how United basically said Lingard may not be leaving. We need to hold on to Lingard in case Paul Pogba leaves because Lingard can provide us cover on the on the wide positions or even as a number eight where he played in the 2018 World Cup, which is the most laughable thing I've ever heard. All right. Everybody knows that he's not playing. Look. Lingard didn't – we had less depth on the wings last year, and Lingard didn't play a single Premier League minute for us. And Lingard has never played as Nate for us, despite in 2019-20, Pogba getting hurt right at the beginning of the season, and we only had two fit midfielders, and Lingard was actually coming off of a good season. We didn't use him as a number eight. That's a joke, but what we're trying to do is tell West Ham he's not surplus. He's very much in our plans. We need to have him, so if you want him, you need to come and pay. And West Ham can see through this, and the same way that Lazio can see through it, could see through the Pereira shenanigans. Andres Pereira might not even be registered for, in the Premier League squad. We might have too many players. Phil Jones didn't get registered last year until three players left in January. So you're going to wait until those those prices come down, and ultimately this is – this is how it goes. United named their price the same way that Real Madrid said we want 50 million for Varane and Dortmund said we want however much money for Sancho. And then United came in with an offer that was way lower. The fans freaked out and they're like, why not just pay them? And ultimately you meet in the middle 
but closer to the price that the buying team wants because that's what's going to be. So this is just going to come down to the wire when finally United don't get any other offers and they have to work now with Lazio and AC Milan and West Ham and you come up and if they can get 25 million for the three of them combined, that's great. Yeah. And they also negotiate from a position of strength too, in the sense that if you believe what you read on the internet, you know, Jesse Lingard's making 75,000 pounds a week, which is not that much in the grand scheme of things compared to some of the other player wages. So even if he doesn't factor into the full year plans, United could eat that money for three months and wait out until the winter transfer window too, when somebody really needs to get a player like Lingard as well. Cause even if Lingard's not good enough to play for Manchester United, you know, week in, week out, he is, as West Ham found out, good enough to play at another club week in, week out. Um, so there's always going to be a need for those guys. And yeah, so it's just is, a matter of like, you just don't want to have to cost United that much money to, to essentially, it, they, they can wait it out and see who who's desperate enough then to come sign that player too. Yeah, I think the, the, issue is just, the issue is just you you don't want to have the bloated squad, but also the rest of that tweet feels like Trippier could be had. We already have a deal with Trippier, and it's the same thing. Atletico Madrid have their high price, so we're waiting for that to come down, but all the reports are that both sides feel very confident a deal will get done. It'll probably just get done on around deadline day, and... From what I have heard, we have a deal on the table with a midfielder. Just not sure who it is, but basically, it's basically, it sounds like a situation just like last year where we were waiting on Smalling. We were trying to get a better fee for Smalling. We were trying to move Delote and Pereira and Rojo and a bunch of other guys permanently, and those deals didn't come through. And ultimately, we settled for loans just to get them out. And Smalling, we, we settled on whatever fee we did, and Within minutes of the Smalling deal coming through, going through, Alex Tellez was signed for about the same price. And minutes later, once everybody cleared out, you got Palestrian, you got Ahmad Diallo in, and you got Ensign Cavani in. So if these things are on the table, it's about getting the best deal. And it, it's just a waiting game now because why would a Lazio or a West Ham start bidding against themselves? Nope. Yeah, you've got the... I think uh, going back to Nathan, what you said about the wages um, outside of the Premier League, 70,000 and 60,000, which is, I think, what Pereira's on the those are pretty hefty wages, too. So I think that kind of factors in, especially with mm-hmm. maybe Dello trying to get him to Italy and with Pereira, maybe going to Lazio. Those aren't really wages that, you know, those numbers make some of those clubs think twice about it. Uh, whereas in the Premier yeah. League, Real Madrid could not that big of a deal. wages right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, okay, so going on to this next question from JT. Uh, play loan, sell, keep with the young players. Uh, so Tahit Chong, Polistri, Ahmad, Shortire, etc. I'm going to include Elanga in that, etc. And uh, I think of those, the only one I would sell is Chong right now. Um, I think Polistri, Ahmad, and Shortire, and Elanga, you probably send three of those out on loan and keep one just in case. Um, I don't see a whole lot of playing opportunities for them unless injuries start to pile up. Who were the three? Who were the players again? Uh, so they listed Chong, Polistri, Ahmad Diallo, Shortire, and then I added Elanga in there. Uh, so the young wingers, forward players. I think I would sell Chong 
and then loan three out of four of the others. Yeah, Chong, how Tai Chong even ma- Chong is out. How he even <laughs> makes this list is beyond me. He's not a United player anymore, and he never will be. Palestri, you loan out, and I don't, I don't know if he'll ever be a United player, but he might. Be we can player. hope. I mean, he's really yeah. handsome and he's nice on the ball, so yeah, you know it's, he might uh, be a squad player. Yeah. Ahmad's got a lot of potential. You keep him because I think Ahmad. He's one you know, January signings. Everybody was mad that he didn't play last year. January signings again, or you bring him in so that they could have six months to settle in and be ready for next year. And I'm, I think, you know, Ahmad got looks here and there, and I think he'll be ready for this year to get more looks. And Shortieri, he's 17. He looks like I, the problem with Ahmad and Shortieri is they both look like they're still in middle school. So yeah. Shortieri, you you keep, and I think you would keep him in the academy for another season. Yeah. I, he got he got looks this year. But he also got looks because the the guys ahead of him were hurt. And he didn't look bad, but it it wasn't like he was lighting it up. Yeah, I mean, I I think I would put Alanga ahead of him in terms of development just because he really knows where the goal is right now. And whenever he plays, he's, you know, looking like he's either going to score or get close to it. And Ahmad is definitely looking more like a finished product of these ones than the others. Uh, you know, he's getting a lot of playing time for the Ivory Coast as well. Um, I would I would loan out Ahmad, uh, not Ahmad, Ilanga. I know that there's a big cry now amongst fans to keep him, but like, let's relax about what someone's doing in preseason. Andreas Pereira dominates preseason whenever he right. plays. It and he did look good last year, but let's let's be realistic here. I know Rashford's hurt, but you still have Sancho and Greenwood. And Cavani and Martial and Van der Beek and Juan Mata, who can all and and Paul Pogba, who can all play on the wing or down the middle. And we know that Ali Gunnar Solskjaer gives unless you make him say, I am so good that you cannot drop me, which Ilanga has not been. He has been, I'm looking really good and promising, but not undroppable. Solskjaer will always cede to the older players and the more experienced players as long as they're performing, which they have been. So Alonga's not getting into the team over them. And what do you want to do? Keep him for a couple of cup games? If we're in the Europa League, there's an argument there, but we're not. He should let him go out on loan because the bottom line is this season, where's he when's he gonna play? Yeah. Um all right. Uh, next question is from John. Uh, with new team or with new first team players coming in, it'll drop old first team players to the Cup squad, i.e. Lindelof and whoever the hell we considered our right winger. Uh, is the FA Cup a real possibility this season? Um, that's a kind of weird one because I feel like the FA Cup is one of those competitions where after the first maybe one or two rounds, Ollie's back to you know putting the first teamers into it. But uh, I think he does have a point here with, you know, maybe some of these more experienced players being rotated in and out. Uh, it frees up all these decision making in these cup games. And uh, you can maybe have like a LeBron leading the second string sort of situation uh, in some of these games. Um, maybe winning the Carabao Cup. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, the FA Cup's a real possibility every year. It also depends on the draw. You could you could draw City in the third round, and not not even have that opportunity to really rotate the squad and and do that the same way that we drew Liverpool in the fourth round last year. We also the team that we played 
last year against Leicester was a pretty sh- strong team, but not totally the first team. Martial was out there. Mason Greenwood was out there. Paul Pogba was out there. Donny Van de Beek was out. So that was basically the rotation was you basically just didn't have Bruno Fernandes in there. And I think it the added the new players just give you more ability to mix and match. So, look, if you play Donny Van de Beek as the number 10 with Rashford and Greenwood on the wings, it's not going to work because those those skill sets don't work. But if you play him with a Sancho, you've you've got more cooking there. And by doing you could do that in the league, too. And then maybe, you know, the amount of rotation would allow for a healthier, a fitter Bruno Fernandez, where maybe you don't have to rest him in every FA Cup game. And then, yes, it's a very big possibility. Nathan, you seen a cup cup run for your boy Dan James? I don't see why not. It's when Dan James had some some sparks of life again last year, and it was one of those things where we talked about it, where he didn't he didn't necessarily have the same expectations of when he first started his Manchester United career and lit it up for five games, then all of a sudden dropped off a cliff because he was brand spanking new to United and the Premier League and the weight of expectations and he, you know, water found its level for him. I, it took I don't like understand. half a year to drop off a cliff. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't see why, you know, my man's, my son, Daniel James can't still make his way into the starting 11 or the 18, um, when appropriate, because I don't, from the off, the, the, from the moment we signed him, I think everybody kind of knew that he was more than likely going to be a squad player. I mean, we signed a 21 year old for, um, it's not like we had signed some kind of world beating uh, hot new youngster. We signed somebody who was already kind of sort of becoming a finished product. Um, but there's still an opportunity for him to continue developing because he's not like too old. Um, and he's got pace for days and there's always going to be room for pace, especially in FIFA. But yeah. I mean, and, I, it, uh, it, it, in the FA Cup, too, I mean, when he comes in. He's going up against people who might not necessarily be able to defend against because uh, he does have elite speed. That is one thing you, you can definitely say he has. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely someone who can come in and do a job for you, too. And I think, you know, he mm-hmm. proved again for Wales at the Euros that, uh, you know, there's a reason that he gets playing time. <laughs> and let's let's also for, don't forget, like the reason that we lost to Leicester is because our midfield stunk and we can add. You could add a Sancho, which maybe drops Greenwood to the bench, and you can add a Veron, which drops Lindelof to the bench. If we don't have a better midfield and we can't use our top midfielders because they need rest, you're going to have the same issue. Yeah, as long as Fred doesn't play like Nathan Peterman, um, I think we're in good shape. Is that a is that a reference that lands? I got it. Okay. Real quick, explain it to me. He made uh, one bad pass against Leicester. They, yes, it ended up in the back of our net, but that's it. He turned the ball over at least three times in that game. Oh, yeah. But, like, it was one, like, egregiously bad pass. Nathan Peterman uh, is a quarterback who... Uh, in Do you not remember him for, like, the Bills? For he played the Buffalo like, Bills. He threw five interceptions in one game. In, like, his first game and then, like, four oh, in the next game. I heard about this. Yeah, yeah. You know me. You know me. Like, like our listeners, I don't watch American football, so... Yeah. Um... This next question is uh, from someone who, whose name is not listed, but uh, SD. Uh, how 
VDB fit at United when his best position is 10 and Bruno is undroppable from that position? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I feel like uh, uh, we give Bruno Fernandez rest. Of talking about. Yeah. We talked about this with Carl. It, yeah. He was never he was never supposed to play in conjunction with Bruno. He's supposed to be there so that way Bruno doesn't have to play 60 games in a season. So that way we don't have Bruno uh, looking like, you know, Nemanja Matic in four years. Like we'd like to keep his legs fresh, too. Um, he was he was a luxury purchase and a purchase that wasn't necessarily necessary, but it was a good purchase by us because he comes from a good pedigree, a good system. He was a talented player for Ajax, and once he gets comfortable in the squad, because again, he didn't get to have a preseason last year with the team, it may he had to have a trial by fire, kind of getting used to Manchester United. So I don't I don't see why um, we can't have both of these players exist in the squad in the right opportunities for both of those players, depending on whatever competition we're playing in in that in that given moment. I, there's a place for both players. I don't. I, I think I uh, it, he fits in the squad. I yeah. don't. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. He's not supposed to play in conjunction with Bruno, but um, crap! I just forgot what I was gonna say. I, I we think need that he, unicorn midfielder that can he, actually circulate the ball. Yeah, and he's kind of like uh, what Trippier would do for us, or what you know we thought Alex Tellez might do for us. He's a player who gives Ali some tactical flexibility so that he doesn't just have to put out the same formation Correct. and plan every single game. So yeah, this is and this is the if, fun thing. Sorry for cutting you off, Colin. Go ahead. Uh, that's cool. If we do, as we're rumored to, and switch to a 4-3-3 for some games this season, or maybe want to play with some wingbacks, he's a kind of you know more possession-based midfielder who would f- sort of fit that three-man midfield better than the pivot that we're used to seeing. Here's the fun thing about United fans. In March, all they do is complain about Rashford and Bruno playing every game, and they go, well, "We don't. We need to rest them, and we need players that can step in and do that." And well, they're the uh, probably those those are the ones that think like Diogo Dalo can come in and fulfill that job when they can't. But everybody complains that Bruno plays too much and Rashford plays too much, and then in June when you get linked to players. It's, well, why do, why should we sign him? We already have X player at, at that position. As if, like, we expect them to play 60 games. Bruno, Bruno's not supposed to play, as Nathan said, Bruno's not supposed to play 60 games. He's not supposed to play 55 games. not supposed to play 50 games. Maybe make 50 appearances, but you're not supposed to start 50 games. So Donnie needs to fit in there. And the signing of Donnie Von de Beek makes a lot more sense now that you think about what Jaden Sancho does. Because those are two players that operate on the same way. Quick passes through tight spaces, pass and move. And when Von de Beek passes and makes that simple pass and then moves, he's very good at getting into spaces to receive the ball, to get open. And Jaden Sancho is very good at making those passes. And then following that up with a move, whereas Rashford and Greenwood and to an extent Martial, Martial can do a little bit of both, but Rashford and Greenwood are very Give me the ball, play it through, play me into space and give me the ball at my feet so I can go one-on-one and run at my guy. That doesn't fit Von de Beek because he's not an incisive passer. But now that you add a Jaden Sancho there, suddenly he's got someone to play with and maybe they could play off Cavani as well. 
and provide him with some service that you can rest Bruno every so often and Van de Beek can provide you with that thing. But what I said earlier is I don't necessarily disagree with that he's not brought into play with con- conjunction with Bruno is you look at – so Jaden Sancho, if you go back a year, Jaden Sancho is the priority, number one, which is why if the Von de Beek signing makes sense, if you also think Jaden Sancho's walking through the door, but he just didn't come through the door. And it was – but who was the number two priority signing last year? It was Jack Grealish. And where does Jack Grealish play? Jack Grealish plays off on the left, and Marcus Rashford's there. So why would you want to bring in a Jack Grealish? And it's like, well, you just spent a year watching Marcus Rashford really not do anything against low blocks. And he could have improved on that this past season, but he didn't. He, and who did Gareth Southgate bring in to break down low blocks? Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish. And he didn't. All Rashford scored three goals this year. He scored run in behind. He scored on the counterattack a few times, and one time against Newcastle, he nutmegged the defender, then nutmegged him again, and or beat him to the touchline, nutmegged him again, and then put it past the goalkeeper. Every, almost every one of Rashford's goals was just running in behind. They need someone that could provide them with creativity against those low blocks, and that's why he wanted Grealish. And Donnie Van de Beek is someone that can do that, but last year we, we saw him do it against Southampton, he played on the left wing in that comeback when we were down 2-0 and we went 3-2. He wasn't involved directing any of the goals, but statistically had a great game. We saw him do it again against Everton where he played the position kind of like what you want to see him do. But he's out there with Cavani and Mason Greenwood's on the other wing. Like United just couldn't get him the ball. Tellez was the, the fullback. It, it just didn't fit with those. Guys. But add a Sancho in there and put Von de Beek on the left side with Bruno and Sancho and have them all interchanging. And that can work too. And it gives Rashford more rest. And also if Rashford's not performing, then he doesn't have to start. I mean, there were plenty of times last year where people were like, Rashford needs to be the one that gets subbed off. People, Rashford needs to be dropped. Rashford scored 11 goals last year. He's up. He scores about 0.33 goals per 90, which is a goal every three games. You're not going to win the league if you make that an undroppable player. So if Donnie Van de Beek can link up with Sancho and Shaw and Bruno on that and interchange in that front, then all of a sudden you've got options and he's going to have a very good season. Um, all right. So uh, one last question from James. Uh, this is kind of similar to the other ones. I probably should have grouped it in. But uh, do you do you foresee opportunities for youth players to break into the first team squad this season? Uh, what area is most likely and which players would we keep an eye on? Uh, so uh, he lists Elanga, Mejbri, Garner, and then forward and midfield as the areas maybe where uh, we could see a youth player come in. I'm going to say if we right now, if we don't sign a midfielder, probably I could see Garner maybe coming in. But I actually think that Matic might be a player that we rely on maybe more than we would like to in the situation that we don't bring in a midfielder. Um, I don't think it's Hannibal Mejbrizier yet. Uh, Same with Ilanga. But, you know, I think he'd be a fun player to keep around for cut matches. Nathan? Um. 
I, I think my default answer is going to be that at the very least, we are going to see a couple of them um, play more or at least feature and practice and play with the first team simply because Ollie's shown that now um, ever since he's become manager. We saw him, you know, usher in Greenwood. We've seen him, um, you know, and Greenwood's really kind of blossomed in that role. First, he kind of he got had a little bit of starts here and there, and then he was just straight up playing first team football last year. Um, playing in a position of Dean, he actually looked all right, kind of out there out on the right wing and playing more, you know, central, like right forward. Um, I think I agree with you, Colin, just based on the way our forward line looks. I don't know if there's as many opportunities up there. Um, whereas like Garner, maybe in the midfield, especially, you know, we're posting pictures of him with his sleeves rolled up and you start to see some definition in his arms. And you're like, all right, he's hey, the Garner's becoming a, yeah, he's becoming a man now. Like he can play with the men. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't, it, I, I think Garner's probably, the best shout for that just because that, that's probably our biggest position of need until we fill it in the transfer window. Um, Ilanga has been really nice in the preseason. I wouldn't mind, but because we were just t- talked about it like two questions ago, I wouldn't mind seeing a guy like Ilanga go and play maybe for a, ch- a championship team that is looking to probably get promoted this year where he can get some real minutes and play for a team that's going to be fighting for um you know, the opportunity to play in the Premier League, I think that would be better experience for him than, you know, getting the opportunity to practice with our guys and then maybe play in against like Tramier Rovers. Get him, uh, get him to AFC Richmond for their promotion campaign. They need someone who can score goals. Yeah. You guys are going to hate me, but no spoilers. spoilers. I've not watched the season two yet. Yes. No spoilers. Um, yeah. The answer is James Garner. Nobody, nobody else. As Nathan said, players will, pop in on the bench they'll be there especially in the winter when we're decimated by injuries and suspensions and and things you'll see some guys on the bench players will be training with the first team especially i mean anybody that doesn't go on loan joe hugel alanga medbury any of those guys will be training with the first team most of the season because they're already at that level but no, as as we discussed with Alonga, where who's he getting in over the t- who's he getting into the team over? Medbury. Medbury seems like he he has done a lot at the U23 level that says I am beyond this. And he has done a lot at the U23 level that shows you he still needs to mature. So it's very easy for fans to see the the half of it where it's like this guy's too good here and you forget the other half. I can very easily see Medbury this season being the guy, being the trajectory for Medbury being similar to James Garner two years ago. And you'll be here and you'll make like eight senior appearances across all the competitions and you'll, and you'll play some U23 games and next year you'll go out on loan. And then in two years, you know, you'll fight for your spot here. Cause you, you also have to remember that we have a Diallo coming in. Who's 19. He's, also got to break in and fight for fight for his place. The difference, I think, is James Garner because like, this is a small sample size. But when we saw him play two years ago, technical ability and IQ, he showed he belonged. And he was ready for this. 
in a small sample size. His issue was the physicality in the Europa League against uh, the Kazakh against Astana. He's getting bodied off the ball far too easily. He needed to grow, which is fine. You're what? He was like 17. Go get knocked around in the championship for a couple of years. So he went to the championship last year and showed us one. He's re- I mean, he showed up to training this year jacked as hell. And he showed us in the championship he's ready to play against men. And he showed us that he's better than the championship. So a lot of people are saying, oh, I don't think he's ready yet. He needs to go to on loan to a Premier League team. I don't know if I see that because I don't know how much that helps. Premier League teams are not in the business of taking your young player on on loan and develop and helping to develop him. They are in the business of staying in the Premier League. So if James Garner is not good enough to help them do that, they're not going to give him chances. And if he is good enough to do that, then he's probably good enough to play for Manchester United because he's I mean, a better he's a better passer than Fred. He is a better passer than Scott McTominay. So if a bottom half of the table team is able to sit there and say, James Garner, who we're not going to be on the ball as much. We need to defend. And if James Garner is good enough to do the defending that we're going to require, then in a team like United, where you're going to be on the ball more, he's probably good enough to do the defending there too. Yeah, I was going to say, when your competition is Scott McTominay and Fred, which, you know, two good midfielders, but still on the fringes of, you know, questioning whether they're good enough to be Manchester United starting midfielders. I think that's a good opportunity for a player like Garner at this point in his career uh, to try and prove something. And and people yeah. really get caught up in the August of everything. And the if you don't play in – nobody plays in August. You use like 14 at most players in August. You, you have a starting 11, and then you don't play for another week. So everybody's fit for the second game. So you make one change maybe. And then in game three, it's maybe another change. You know, like 13 or 14 guys start games in August. And it's only in September and October where the midweek games start, the cup matches start and the injuries pile up. That's when you bring guys in. So James Garner may not be ready to play in August and that's fine. If, if you're United and you look at Garner and you say, mm, three months away, he's three months away. Well, it's a 10 month season. Do you want to send him on loan for 10 months when he's three months away? Is that the right thing to do? And think about this. Two years ago, Fred didn't – Fred missed – he did not start any of United's first eight Premier League games. He didn't start a match until October. He started more matches than any other United midfielder. So just because Garner's not in the team in August – and he might still get loaned out. I, I, I don't know. He might. It, it's very possible. But just because Garner's not in the team in August does not mean that come November and December, um, that November and December, he might not, he, he won't be in the first team. Right. And, and, and to use an American football um, analogy, too, what better person to apprentice under as far as the type of midfielder we want Garner to be than – Nemanja Matic. So, you know, it could be like a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers thing. It just accelerated in the pace. Right. Uh, so, Polly's going to have to hop off. Uh, he's got a work call he's got to join. But, 
yeah, uh, Nathan and I, I guess we'll see this out with, uh, or to, to conclude the podcast with, um, uh, <laughs> some Fast and Furious <laughs> talk if you want to. Uh, there's also a U.S. men's national team, so, uh, we can work in both of the typical, you know, movie and U.S. men's national team talk to end a podcast. But, uh, I guess closing thoughts on this, the Manchester United talk real quick. Uh, like Polly said earlier, sometimes, you know, when we're waiting to finish up our transfer deals, you have some things on the table that you're just not ready to commit to yet. I think that might be the case with Eduardo Camavinga, um, somebody we were pretty heavily linked to for a couple of weeks around the time we were linked with Trippier. And uh, talk has kind of quieted since then. Um, but, you know, other big clubs he's been linked with as well haven't uh, secured his services yet either. So um, maybe we'll see that wrapped up. Well, I think one of the other big clubs that was really going after him was PSG. And he's probably looking mm-hmm. at what PSG's doing right now, going like, Ooh, I don't know about all that. Um, I got to think it's probably a similar com- conversation that Paul Pogba's had with Mino Rayola, too. I mean, PSG under Mauricio Pochettino is not the world beaters. I think people were assuming they were going to become uh, just based on Pochettino's own career trajectory. I think the thought process was that what he did to Tottenham, he could do for PSG and help him take that next step. And it doesn't look like that's necessarily the case. Um, you know, not even just for the memes, but just potentially as a, as an actual reality of things like that PSG team, the way it's built might just not mesh with the way Pochettino wants to coach that team. Um, and then is Kamavinga a good fit there? I don't know. Um, but at the same time, he might look at it and just be like, PSG doesn't necessarily have this this history of promoting or you know and like really kind of using youth players outside of Kylian Mbappe, who is the uh, who they paid like two hundred uh, million pounds for. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the exception to the rule, Kylian Mbappe. Um, and Kamavinga might see what's going on in Manchester United right now and just be like, you know what, I might have some of that. Um, so at the end of the day, we've still got in a sense, basically a whole month left in the transfer window. Um, I definitely don't think United's done. I think United right now is on an upward trajectory. Um, and certainly even if I think sensible people like you and I would say pump the brakes, this might still, this project might still be a year away from really being serious, serious title contenders where it's not like, Oh, they might fluky win a title. It's like, no, these guys are like front runners. Um, you know, I think I think we're we're doing all the right things right now. So if you can sell a young player on that project, I don't see why they wouldn't necessarily want to come here. At the end of the day, he knows if he comes good at Manchester United, he's going to get paid. So because um, that's the other thing. We reset the wage structure and the guys who have earned it have gotten contracts. Rashford's getting paid handsomely. Um, despite the poor year last year, Martial got himself a new contract. He's getting paid well. De Gea is getting paid well. Paul Pogba's about to get paid very, very well once that business deal gets done. Um, so we're, we're attractive outside of, you know, the the usual things that Polly always can, complains about, which is the weather and the food. Yeah. So. He, uh, Old Trapper got a new coat of paint. So, yeah. you know, things are looking you know, up. 
players uh players might be like uh Hobbs and uh look at us and think uh yeah, I'll ride with you Dom Toretto. Yep. So is that is that our segue? Should, should I, I take it away? Yeah, I guess so. All right, we can do like five minutes on this if, yeah. if, the, if the listeners are into this. Um, so here's the deal, listeners. Uh, Colin Dams revealed to Polly Questel and myself recently that he had never seen a Fast and Furious. Um, as Polly and I were talking about the ninth film, which is just recently released here in the United States, uh, back in June, Polly and I have both seen that movie in theaters. And so we, um, depending on what kind of verb you want to use, coerce, uh, enticed, bullied, uh, Colin into watching the Fast and the Furious franchise, we've gotten him to do so. Uh, which which one are you on right now? Yeah, so I watched one, four, and five. Um, I skipped two and three because uh, I was told that I didn't necessarily need to watch them. And at the time, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to burn through these movies pretty quickly. And then moving came, so uh, I have not had the chance to watch more of them. But, uh, yeah, Fast Five, the most recent one. Yes. So, um, obviously, number number three plays a bigger role in, in kind of the second half of the series at this point. So, it, you, you might want to watch it eventually. It, it It's hilarious to watch because it's one of the more you know, 2006 movies that you can watch. I mean, Bow Wow's got like a T-Mobile sidekick. Like, I mean, it's just, it, it really just brings back so many high school memories for me. But um, as far as the Fast and the Furious franchise goes, we were really just excited for you to watch Fast Five because that's obviously a perfect film. So what were your thoughts watching that one as we said that this was the one that you had to watch? Yeah, so uh, Fast Five was the first one of the ones that I watched that was like exactly what I was expecting from basically all of these movies. Uh, so I've really only consumed fast and furious culture through movie previews and friends talking about it. And uh, I think fast five definitely lived up to that hype more than the others of just like a ridiculous heist of all these people knowing each other coming together in some, you know, big iconic city in this case, Rio de Janeiro uh, and then, in, you know, going after a big vault of money, which they ended up taking with them in their car chase around the city um, and using as a weapon uh, in pretty interesting circumstances. Uh, and then the twist that that's not the real vault of money. That's the empty vault of money. Um, and the uh, real vault of money was safely stowed away uh, out of, you know danger by the uh side part of the crew that were not paul walker and vin diesel danny ocean could never um (laughs) (laughs) yeah so my my fast five experience which it's hard to believe that that movie's already 10 years old um really feeling the sands of time uh draining from my body right now as i just celebrated my 30th birthday not a month and a half ago um but Fast Five, I had received like a free movie ticket for like through a rewards program. I'd seen X amount of movies. And so I was finally on my free one. And before Fast Five had come out, I was pretty lukewarm on that franchise. Like I obviously loved the first one because that was a great movie. And then the second one was not good. And then the third one was kind of all right. And the fourth one was kind of eh. But I was like, the rock's in it. It's in Rio. Like, let's watch it. And I just could not believe that that was 
maybe the best free movie I think I've ever seen in theaters. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it was it's just, much more exciting than the other ones were. The first one was really weird because it was like it was basically like uh, undercover cop also likes racing, <laughs> and so it's Point Break. It's Point Break is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's another one I haven't seen by the way. I know. Holy I know. shit, Colin. Okay, I only recently saw Heat, too, which is another, like, 90s action thriller everyone told. I, I watched that for the first time earlier this year, and it's good. Um, oh, my God. I, I, I need you to finish your educational pursuits, so that way I can just start sending you movie recommendations, because, my son, you need you need uh, culture here, I think. Um, yeah. uh, action movie's really not one that I was like super well versed in. I'd seen some of the classics and like Terminator 2 obviously is like an all time great movie in general, yeah. not just action. What a film. But uh, yeah, I think my my standards were like Terminator 2 and Mad Max Fury Road when it came to action movies. So one thing I really I liked mean, about those are Fast two of the pinnacles. Was, yeah, I, one thing I really liked about Fast Five was how good the car chase scenes were, which I felt pretty disappointed by, especially in the fourth one. Um, yeah, Fast Five was so good because, and it, I'm going to sound like an old man yelling at a cloud here, but for the most part, that movie used a lot of practical effects. Mm-hmm. So it really it felt more visceral. That's why Mad Max Fury Road is such an achievement, because honestly, that movie should have never been made. It's like an insurance nightmare. Um, like there should have been, they, so many people should have died making that film. Let's lay siege um, to a moving gas tanker for two hours. <laughs> exactly. But you know, like I, it's, I grew up on those kinds of movies where it was like, you could clearly tell it was the stunt man, not the actor. Like the movie true lies. There's a scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger is supposed to be skiing down a mountain and it's just some other dude with like, he almost looks like he's got like some kind of chest thing on just to kind of look like Arnold. And you're like, that's not Arnold, but you still just you're into the movie because it's just so action packed and the scene is so compelling. But um, yeah, Fast Five, we're, we're really glad that you finally got to watch it. Um, it's definitely the high point of the series. Uh-huh. So I, I look forward to watching you kind of enjoy the rest of the movies, but going like, all right, I could probably not have to watch another one, but you're still going to have to watch another one because they're not going to stop making these movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one, which is, I guess, where Dom finds out Michelle Rodriguez is not actually dead. Um, and uh, which was revealed in a Marvel-like post credit scene of Fast Five, which was, uh, you know, another nice add-in. And I, I think, uh, you know, probably helped cement them at their or status as a movie franchise and not just uh, uh really they're yep. going to keep making these. Surprisingly, that might've actually been like Eva Mendez's last role too. It was that cameo scene in fast five. Cause yeah, she, was uh, she, she all other than that. So she was in too fast, too furious. Okay. Yeah. Damn. And she's not in the rest yeah. of the series at all. Nope. <laughs> Everybody thought like, all right, maybe she's coming back, but I think, um, uh, she has either fully retired from acting or is just taking a, a really extended hiatus because obviously she, uh, her and her uh, partner Ryan Gosling have children, so she wanted to be a mom, which good honor. Um, but Eva Mendes, come back, I love you. And so uh, the other guys in Fast Five, really her last big roles, huh? Yep. I mean, two standout performances. Truly. Yeah. 
two know, times as, as we all know. Hey, Gators bitches better be wearing Jimmy's. Everybody knows that. Yeah, that's a that's what that's a movie that I kind of want to rewatch. Bulls episode of uh, if they haven't done one already. Maybe there's one in the archive. Yeah, the other the other guys is good. The, the, I'm sure they'll eventually do it. But now now I feel like I, I, I desperately need to make a list for you of things that you got to watch. Basically, okay. Colin, uh, was there any movies on the Gary Neville piece that we wrote last year to tie this sort of back to the Busby Bay? <laughs> is there any movies on there that you hadn't seen that you'd like to watch? I hadn't read that one in a while, um, probably since it came it was, out. Um, it's like Braveheart. Uh, so he said the last movie he had watched was Braveheart, which was 93. Oh, okay. So it just gave Brent and I a ton of space to like work. Also, we had no country pay. for old Not men. A good movie. <laughs> Which one? Braveheart. Yeah, I I liked it when I was a teenager when Blood and Guts was just like that was the kind of movie I needed to watch. And then uh I, I've watched it since. It was like on IFC recently, and I was like, this is not the best uh Swords and Shield, you know, yeah. <laughs> medieval film I've ever seen. Uh it still has its place. It still has its place, but uh also the whole mel gibson thing makes it tough yeah he sucks um yeah, he sucks uh so no on country list we had no men. country for old men i love that movie yeah good uh there will be blood yep love that movie okay snatch um is that it's the guy richie no, movie no. with brad Pitt. Yeah, it's, it's the one he made after lock stock and two smoking barrels i've seen that one but right. i have not seen snatch yeah you have not seen Snatch. Okay. I'll add that to the well, list. This is, that's actually my favorite movie. I, I, I wrote it in the piece. I think it's actually my favorite movie. So, um, And then we had uh, James Cameron's Avatar, which you guys love to shit on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that movie sucks. But I maintain was a technical achievement. <laughs> it's a billion-dollar Fern Gully remake. <laughs> yeah. Or Dances with Wolves if you're my age. Okay, I've seen that movie. <laughs> yeah, with Kevin Costner. Yeah. So, yeah, when when, when are we going to do the Busby Babe offshoot uh, movie podcast? I'll 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 actually host it. I think it would just be me and Sue Wade. Yeah, he's a big movie guy. I'm trying to get Sue Wade on this podcast, uh, which we're supposed to use to talk about Manchester United, but uh, it, Sue Wade, come on the pod. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see about that. Um. I'm down to do a movie podcast. I'm not sure we can post it on uh, SB Nation's time, but uh, <laughs> maybe we can uh, start with a Manchester United movie. Um, there's that well, BBC. Like United? Yeah, <laughs> the BBC one, which is decent. So like you, I just moved, and I finally unboxed my DVDs last night, and I found my copy of United. Um, and I, So I can only watch that movie on one of my DVD players because I bought it not realizing that it was location locked. Yeah. So I can't, wa- I can't watch it on my, um, on my PlayStation, but I could watch it like on my Xbox 360. So <laughs> there we it's go. Bizarre. Region yeah. unlocked. It, it's Thanks, a good thing that it's, a, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, it's a good thing. This movie wasn't that good. Cause otherwise I'd be upset that I couldn't watch it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Probably but, not. Uh, got rewatchable status. No. Yeah. It has actually it has next on my list, uh, football movie related. Uh, they had a sale the other day on the streaming service I use. So I bought Fever Pitch, the original film 
with Colin Firth, where he's the uh, where he's an English teacher, and I guess he falls in love, and he's also a big soccer fan. So we're gonna find out if that's any good this week. Yeah, I've heard that one's really good. He's like an Arsenal fan during the '89 league run. Um, but yeah, I've heard that's better than the American Fever pitch, which I was not impressed by. So, oh, with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and his short-lived movie star career. Um, yeah, Taxi. What a bad movie. Yeah. Um, I guess we should probably end this podcast now. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to talk about Loki. You just said you finished it. I did. Uh, I think we should save Polly for that one, though. He was really okay. into it, too. Well, I'll say Jonathan Majors, what a revelation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that guy needs to be cast more. Uh, and yes. last, Black Man in San Francisco. Go watch that if you haven't. Um, that was actually on the list. That was on the list. That was the other movie I couldn't think of. That was one of Brent's suggestions. Yeah. So, yes. Everybody watch it. Man, you're really putting Gary Neville through uh, through hell with uh, some of these emotional journeys. <laughs> Well, see, I thought, I judging based on some of his tweets that he's had this week, I figured he'd really enjoy, you know, there will be blood. So, good, good old uh, casual film about how capitalism is the devil. And uh, he'll drink your milkshake. He will, will drink your milkshake. People forget that. Yeah. Especially you, Paul Dano. We see you out here with your milkshake. He's going to drink it. All right. <laughs> I've been Colin. I've been Nathan. I'm Wiedersehen. <laughs>